Welcome back to Sideline Exposure. I am your host, Mitchell Crossan, and here we are recapping week 11 of the college football season. We are really at that point in the season now where teams are starting to separate themselves. So we saw some wins, we saw some upsets, we saw some ranked wins, and then we saw some teams continuing to roll or continuing their dominance. And then we also saw what was maybe some pretenders or teams that have always struggled this year that have actually fallen and now maybe fell a little bit behind the race in the college football playoff. Let's go ahead and start with the Big Ten. So Ohio State and Michigan State each wrapped up wins this last weekend and are looking ahead at a clash and a head-to-head matchup this coming weekend in Columbus. Playoff implications, yes. Big Ten implications, yes. And the winner of this game, if it's Ohio State, has a really good chance to lock up that side of the division as long as they go to Michigan the following week and take care of business. Again, this side of the of the division, the East, is still wide open. There's so much that can happen. And we'll see what Ohio State can do because they played Purdue with a very convincing 59-31 win over a ranked Purdue team, mind you. Now, we'll see where the committee puts them now, but I imagine can't drop that much. They might still be ranked or they might be hovering in that 25 to 30 spot. So we'll have to find out later this week. But nonetheless, this is a team that had talent offensively, defensively. We know David Bell. We knew what he could do and, frankly, what he did against their other top five wins this year, so Iowa, Michigan State, et cetera. Denzel Burke, the true freshman, did a great job holding David Bell in check. I believe he was held to about six yards um, per completion, which is awesome. And if you were going to tell the Ohio State staff, hey, you're going to hold David Bell, to six yards per catch, I think they would be ecstatic about that. So that was great. Ohio State's offense absolutely dominated, and they were unstoppable in the first half. They definitely got back to the roots, were able to move the ball a little bit on the ground, and you saw that open up the passing game. Garrett Wilson had a day. You saw Travion Henderson break off that really big run in the first half, and C.J. Stroud is looking like one of the front runners, one of the front runners for the Heisman Trophy right now. This offense is back to rolling, and statistically, they're back to being number one in the country. They did a really good job at restraining George Karloftis, the star All-Big Ten defensive end for Purdue, who is definitely a stud. And we've seen this throughout the year, right? Indiana has a good linebacker. Ohio State was able to stop him. Um, now we saw with George Karloftis what the Buckeyes were able to do. And frankly, this is something that, it, from what it looked like, the Ohio State game plan was, we're just going to run right at him. And so they ran to that left side of the line, and you saw on that big Travion Henderson run, they ran straight at him. George Karloftis tried to poke inside. That opened up that huge hole, and Travion was gone. They did not shy away from that competition, and the Ohio State offensive line, combined with their tight ends, did a really good job about keeping him in check and they completely took him out of that game. So, I mean, this is where we are with the Buckeyes. We are at this point now where the offense is back on their feet. They're going to put up points. They're going to put up yards. Defensively, the Buckeyes are much improved, but not that dominating defense that we've seen in years past, like in 2019. So we're not going to expect them to hold a team like Purdue, who has talent and has players, to only 14 points. And frankly, Purdue dropped a touchdown as well, so they should have had 38 points in the day. 
But when you look at this Ohio State defense, they have talent, but they're inexperienced, right? You, and you also don't have that that Chase Young or that Nick Bosa, Joey Bosa kind of player. Now, Tyreek Smith and Zach Harrison, the defensive ends, have both been playing a lot better the last couple of weeks. Granted, they did not get that much pressure on Purdue this last weekend, but we've seen their progression come along throughout the year. And now you've seen Steel Chambers playing the linebacker level, playing like their best linebacker. And then the corners, Denzel Burke and Cam Bryan have done a great job. Bryson Shaw in the back end isn't really that magic eraser that Ohio State has had in years past, like with a Jordan Fuller. But at the end of the day, this is a team that you're just going to ask to get some stops. They're not going to completely shut out teams like a Purdue. Now, one point of emphasis, obviously, heading into this game was key in on the pass. Purdue's run game is atrocious. I think it might be the worst in the Big Ten. But you knew offensively their quarterback was probably going to 400. You got to keep an eye on David Bell. I mean, this this is how they beat Michigan State. And this front is how they beat Iowa. They are completely one-dimensional. But if you can't stop their stars, and if you don't have that game plan, then good luck trying to stop that team. So Purdue had weapons. They had enough to do some damage, and that's what we saw. Putting up 31 points, I think that seems about right. But if I'm on the coaching staff on the defensive side for Ohio State, I'm actually pretty pleased with that performance because you completely kept David Bell in check. And it would be so easy for him to go off for 200 yards, 250, whatever the case is, especially being as one-dimensional as Purdue is. So I think Ohio State has to be very pleased with the outcome of that game. Now looking ahead to next week, staying in Columbus, the Michigan State Spartans come into town in what will be a top 10 matchup. Now, similar to Purdue, Michigan State can be a little one-dimensional with Kenneth Walker III at running back. Now, when I say one-dimensional, it's not nearly as much as Purdue is throwing the ball. Michigan State, we've seen them throw the ball a little bit, but we know that they do rely on the run. And as we saw with Michigan State beating Michigan a couple weeks ago, that was Kenneth Walker's almost Heisman moment, if you will. Now the question is, can he do that again against Ohio State? Can he have that quote-unquote Heisman moment a second time? And frankly, he would need it if he's going to win that award because now we're seeing Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud pretty much being the co-favorites to win that award. If Kenneth Walker can have a big game against the Buckeyes in Columbus, rattle off a couple hundred yards, a couple touchdowns, he could definitely thrust himself right back into that conversation. And this is also a team that can beat Ohio State, right? Michigan State has ruined Ohio State's seasons in the past. When Ohio State was 24-0 under the two first years with Urban Meyer in the 2013 season, they make it to the Big Ten Championship game, but then they lose to the Spartans. And then let's fast forward to 2015, the year after Ohio State won the national championship. That 2015 team was really good, but not polished. There was some stuff going on with the coaching staff. It wasn't working, but that team was still winning games. And frankly, the one game they did lose that year was late to Michigan State. And that frankly bumped them out of the playoffs and bumped Michigan State in. So this is a team 
that similar to what Purdue has done, has played spoils to Ohio State and some of these really good Ohio State teams. So I'm curious to see how Ohio State game plans against Kenneth Walker. Are you going to load the box a little bit? Are you going to bring down, um, you know, Cam Brown or like a Bryson Shaw's? Bring another body in the box and force them to throw the ball, throw the ball a little bit. If you can keep Kenneth Walker the third in check, that's really going to help Ohio State's chances defensively because they're not going to completely shut someone down. But with as good as that offense is, as long as you're just not letting that team score in every possession, you're going to put yourself in a really, really good position to win that game. Moving on to the Big 12, Oklahoma goes down in a loss to the Baylor Bears. And I think this is a loss that a lot of people saw coming. And not necessarily to Baylor per se, but I think a lot of people were feeling a loss from this Oklahoma team. Let's look at the last two years. I mean, did you really think that Oklahoma was going to go undefeated? 2019, LSU went undefeated, won the national championship. Joe Burrow had a ridiculous season, Heisman Trophy, threw four, 60 touchdowns. It really felt like he was destined to win the Heisman and win the national championship that year. I mean, look at their coach with Ed O. Now, Ed O and Joe Brady, they did a great job that year, but we know the kind of coach Ed O is. He was not going to repeat that with someone else. Let's look at last year's team, Alabama, again, undefeated had a great team. So those two teams are almost defined as being some of the greatest in college football history. That's where we are now. If you are a power five team and you go undefeated, you are being considered as one of the best teams that we have definitely seen, especially in the modern era. Let's look at the big 12. The conference is not as good and not as strong as some of the other ones. Now, with that being said, Oklahoma did have a chance to play some good teams, as we saw this last week, and add to that resume. So what if they had gone undefeated? Would you, would you actually think that they really are one of the best teams ever? Well, let's look at their competition. They played a really good ranked Baylor team. They're going to play Iowa State, and they're going to play Oklahoma State. Now, Iowa State is not the team a lot of people thought going into the season. So that win is not going to be as good, assuming the Sooners pull that off. Now, Oklahoma State is still hanging in there. It would be a really good win for Oklahoma. And Oklahoma still does have a chance to defend their crown as being the six-time Big 12 champion. But at the end of the day, this was a loss that a lot of us saw coming. Caleb Williams obviously has been a stud and definitely brought new life and new energy to this offense. Spencer Rattler was just not cutting it. We know that Oklahoma's defense is not their strong suits, and we know we're talking about the Big 12. But Caleb Williams was a gamer and a playmaker, and frankly is the reason why they came back and beat Texas in the first place. Now, we saw them skate by some other teams, but things have been pointing towards this loss. And Caleb Williams, the young quarterback with two turnovers, and Oklahoma's defense not being able to stop Baylor's run game ultimately led to this loss. Now, the committee, as we already know, had Oklahoma pinned pretty low in the top 10, right around the eighth spot. So they were already not valued as a good team or a team on the edge of making the playoff like Ohio State or Cincinnati, especially being 
undefeated in the Power 5 program. But the resume was going to be good enough to where if you were able to win, especially if you could win out convincingly, you were really going to be put in a spot, a really good spot to make the playoff. And I don't know how you would really be left out. But nonetheless, here they are with one spot. So now we start talking about, okay, Notre Dame. Where does that ranking fit in? Are you going to bump Notre Dame ahead of Oklahoma? Is Baylor's probably going to jump up one spot, even though Baylor has two losses, right? So now we're looking at how far does Oklahoma fall? One loss does not completely pin you outside of the playoffs, but it's when you lose late and when you are already not that close to being in that top four, for instance, being in the eighth spot, that's when you really start to see trouble. Now, there are a lot of big games coming up. We know Ohio State and Michigan State play, so someone's going to lose that game. And we know Ohio State and Michigan play, so someone's going to lose that as well. And then here we go, talking conference championship games, etc. So there's a lot of chaos to be had, but Oklahoma is not 100% out of the conversation. One-loss teams aren't, especially teams that have made it before with a one loss like Oklahoma. We'll have to see what happens with Cincinnati, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, that whole mess. And there's a long way to go. And let's not even mention Oregon and the SEC. But their playoff hopes are very, very low, but not yet completely diminished. Let's go ahead and jump over to the SEC, where we saw Alabama destroy New Mexico State. Not a shocker, but SEC, this is what they do. Schedule that easy game late in November. Almost gives your players like a week off or almost a bye week, assuming you take care of business. Bouncing to Georgia. And Georgia it, it, uh, just had a big win over, well, maybe not big, but a 41-17 win over Tennessee. Pretty dominant win. I know Tennessee you know, kind of jumped out first, but look, this Tennessee team is not going to pull off this offset. Similar to what Alabama just did, Charleston Southern is the opponent for the Georgia Bulldogs next week. So Georgia does have a bye week before finishing out the regular season with Georgia Tech. The point that I'm getting at is I was looking over Georgia's record so far this season, and I really want to know exactly what their best win is. So we know they started the year against Clemson, and that was a 10-3 to kind of grinded out defensive win. And thank God Georgia had that pick six. I mean, that was the whole difference in the game. But we know Clemson is not a good football team. Not at all. This is not their year. They have they've struggled mightily. They have holes. DJ has not looked like a polished passer at all. Clemson is not the opponent and not, frankly, a win you can really hang your hat on. So I start going through and looking at who they play. So, okay, they destroyed UAB, okay? They beat South Carolina and Vanderbilt. So, so far, really no tough competition. I mean, I know Clemson still has players. Clemson's defense is still pretty good, I think. But, you know, offensively, couldn't really do much. They do have a 37 nothing shutout win over 21-ranked Arkansas. Now, once you start talking about these teams that are ranked, you know, 18, 19, 20, and so on and so forth, I think there's a lot of room for conversation on how good are these teams really. Arkansas started off the year 
really good. A lot of hype, just like Ole Miss. And then what happens? A couple of losses, you lose to Georgia, you drop, you lose momentum, and then you start winning a couple of games again. Arkansas, you can make the argument whether or not they're an actually a ranked team. We'll see where they fall, if at all, in the rankings. But as of now, that's pretty much one win that Georgia can really hang their hat on. And now we're going into, okay, they beat Auburn. They beat Kentucky. Two teams that are okay, I guess. You know, Auburn is maybe a threat to Alabama. We'll get to that later, but just because of, you know, the history and what where the game is at Auburn, Bo Nix being a season veteran quarterback. That's an okay win. Kentucky's similar story, okay win. But then you're looking at Florida. I mean, Florida's a bad team. They're not good. Dan Mullen's going to get fired. His staff is done. And then you're looking at Missouri. They destroyed Missouri. And then, as we know, they just beat Tennessee. So are they really being tested as a team? I mean, it really seems like they are just cruising through this season. Now, that's credit to them in some case because they've just been dominating, dominating, dominating each game. But as I feel like as you're heading into postseason play, the SEC championship game in the playoffs, which is ultimately going to be Georgia's fate, barring some weird meltdown. I don't know if they've really been tested, especially defensively that much. What happens if you run into a team like Ohio State, who is really starting to hit their stride again on the offensive side of the ball? Ohio State has a really good chance to have 3,000-yard receivers with Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, and Jackson Smith, Najiba. CJ Stroud, their quarterback, is playing like a Heisman Trophy candidate and Trevon Henderson, the true freshman running back, is a stud and is a big play guy. So that offense is cruising. And I wonder if Georgia is really going to have the tune-up to play a team like that. They are going to play Alabama in the SEC championship if things go the way we expect them to go. But Alabama has struggled to run the ball. I know they just dominated New Mexico State, but that's to be expected. You look at the week before against LSU. And Alabama had a really hard time running the ball, and they were a one-dimensional team that day against a 500 LSU team. Bryce Young is, is young himself, and so he's not the season that, and I know Alabama is still Alabama, but they are not the Alabama team of last year. Could be a good tune-up for Georgia, especially defensively, but it really makes me wonder if they're truly being tested enough as we head into or look ahead into the postseason. I look at a team like Ohio State, who just played a Purdue team that can move the ball in chunks through the air, and now they have two, as currently ranked, top 10 matchups before what would be the Big Ten Championship game, assuming they, might, assuming they make it there. So Ohio State is really ramping things up, and frankly, that's just going to help them. You're not going to get any help playing Charleston Southern next week like Georgia is. The one thing that helps with is you don't have to play your starters the whole game, so you can maybe limit an injury or prevent an injury or something like that. But with Ohio State and their tough competition and tough schedule the rest of the way, is only going to help them. And I really don't know if Georgia's been tested. So I'm curious to see the SEC championship game, assuming it's Georgia-Alabama, and we know chaos happens, so a lot can change over the next couple of weeks. But I do want to see Georgia get some kind of tune-up 
heading into the postseason. Okay, so to close out this episode, let's go ahead and take a look into the college football rankings, which will be released tomorrow, Tuesday, the 15th of November. And, I mean, to no surprise, Georgia's going to be one. That's really easy, and that's been the case all year. Now I think things really started to get interesting because the committee keeps having Ohio State hang around. They were fifth, and now they're fourth. You had Alabama two, and you had Oregon three. And what the committee is telling us, and what we already know, is that the eye test does matter, especially week-to-week play, over resume per se and head-to-head matchups. We've seen that so far. So they've set it up so that Ohio State can and frankly, frankly probably will jump Oregon. Now that we're at the point in that gauntlet, for Ohio State, where they can start proving themselves exactly what they really are against some good competition. I wonder when and what week the committee is going to bump Ohio State over Oregon. And with that being said, I mean, with Alabama and their level of play, they haven't looked that dominant. And Joe Klatt with Fox Sports has said this too. After Georgia at one, ranking two through 10, honestly, is just a mess. Alabama has not looked that dominant. I could easily see Ohio State being the number two team in the country after one of these weeks. It's just a matter of when and if they'll have Ohio State jump Oregon, maybe sit number three, or if they'll bump up to number two. So I'm curious to see what the committee thinks of Ohio State's performance over Purdue and that win. Cincinnati, I think, is actually in an okay spot. I know they're on the outside looking in. I know it's going to take some chaos for them to get in, but with Oklahoma losing, that does crack the door a little bit, and that's one less thing that Cincinnati has to worry about is an undefeated Oklahoma. Obviously, we have Michigan 6, Michigan State 7. I don't know if that's really going to change too much. Michigan State does play Ohio State, and then the week after that, we have Ohio State-Michigan. So, Again, two big games there, and that'll kind of fix itself. But now things get interesting because we know Oklahoma lost, so they're going to drop down. Notre Dame's going to move up, and they're slowly creeping their way back in, and we can have an honest conversation about the Fighting Irish. But then you have Oklahoma State. You have your first two-loss team in Texas A&M, and then Baylor, I imagine, will jump up as well. The way the committee has been looking at these games and rankings lately, I personally think it's going to be Georgia 1, Alabama 2, Ohio State 3, and Oregon 4. I do think this is the week that the committee does bump Ohio State up. Now, we'll see if Purdue is even still ranked. They might catch that 25 spot or so, maybe 24. But Ohio State's offense was ridiculously good, and you cannot deny how productive they were in the first half, especially with Garrett Wilson, having him back after missing the Nebraska game last week, we saw that offense flow without any issue. Defensively, they gave up some points, but we talked about that. That's not the biggest concern. What they did do was hold David Bell, their star, to almost nothing and no big plays, and that is a really big win for that Ohio State team. I do think Oregon holds true at four, and it's going to be hard to keep the Ducks out of the playoff if they win out 
and are the Pac-12 champ. But at this point, the committee keeps showing us and telling us that the resume and the head-to-head wins don't matter nearly as much as the eye test. And whoever looks best week after week is going to be given and provided that ranking. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Silent Exposure. We will go ahead and release another episode after the committee releases its newest rankings tomorrow, which is Tuesday the 15th. Feel free to check us out on Spotify and coming soon to Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. You can go ahead and shoot us a follow at Sideline Exposure on Instagram and Sideline Exposed on Twitter. But in the meantime, stay posted for more episodes and thank you for listening.